We are going to get started. <laughs> so, um, happy almost 4th of July. Shout out to Miss Yvonne with her awesome patriotic outfit. I love it. <laughs> Saving mine for tomorrow. Um, one other announcement I wanted to uh, share, which you may or may not know. I feel like most of us know um, that the World Games are coming to Birmingham the 7th through, I wrote it down, I think it's like the 7th through the 13th. So, what a prime opportunity for street ministry, right? A little wifey plug here. Um, so, the second Saturday of every month, we do street ministry. My husband leads street ministry, and so it just so happens that Jesus just aligned it up where all of the world is coming to Birmingham so we can share the gospel with them. And so... Street ministry is going to be like normal. We'll meet here at 12 and then go out. And if you don't know what the World Games are, which I didn't know what they are, so no shame in that. It's like the Olympics. It's every four years. Um, but they have. it's like the sports that aren't in the Olympics, like random things like um, uh, speed skating. I don't know. Random stuff like that. Not random. Maybe not random to those people. Random to me a little bit. Uh, but cool, right? I mean, people from all over the world. So we're going that Saturday the 9th. And then also, we thought since this was kind of a special thing, we're going to go on the following Wednesday the 13th. So that we're going to meet here at 530, which is kind of also we're not having Wednesday night gatherings. If you don't normally get like a chance to go to street ministry with Wes if you're not sure about sharing the gospel, if you're excited about sharing the gospel, if you just want to intercede, if you just want to go and, I don't know, <laughs> go along for the ride, um, I just really, really encourage you if Saturdays are kind of a time when you can't go, Wednesdays y'all are usually here, so it's a good time to come. So, no pressure, but I just think it's going to be awesome. All right, let's pray. Uh, Jesus, we love you. We love to talk about you. <laughs> we love to worship you. We love to commune with you. <laughs> we love to learn about you. We love to follow you. We love to say yes to you at any cost. We love to say yes to the covenantal invitation that you have extended to us. <laughs> so we just say, have your way. We love you. We trust you in your precious, beautiful, powerful name. Amen. So, wow, this week, huh? World's been shaking a little bit. Um, <laughs> we talked about it, celebrated last week, um, Roe v. Wade being overturned. And it just feels like the world has been shaking ever since. Um, which, it still all just seems surreal to me. Just the thought of being alive in this time, to be alive in such a time as this. It just feels surreal to think of the thousands and thousands of people that have prayed for 50 years and so many that aren't alive in this time to see this take place. It just feels surreal and like what an honor to be alive right now. Um, so what I want to talk about today is something that has been on my heart to talk about um, and it just felt like in light of the state of our world <laughs> that it was appropriate um, now. So what I want to talk about is how to abide, how to abide in truth when the world is shaking and shifting, how to abide in the person of Jesus because he is the true vine. 
Um, and also I want to talk a little bit about how to abide in family. Um, so kind of where this, I guess, heart came from of wanting to talk about this, I've just seen several people in my life, either ones that I've known or whether it be closer friends or acquaintances um, that really followed Jesus at one time and today are either professing to just no longer be a Christian um, or to know Jesus in a way that all of Christianity for, you know, thousands of years have known him and the apostles portrayed him to be, um, that they know him in a different way. Um, And I've seen people choose to just be led by their feelings instead of being led by truth. Um, They've done more self-reflection or introspection or whatever you want to call it than Jesus' obsession. They've pulled out of community or they've gotten offended or they've ridden the line of what is absolute truth and bought into the world's opinion of good. And when I tell you it grieves my heart, I can't express it enough. I think that's why this has been stirring for so long. Um, Just wanting to talk about what do we do? How do we pray? How do we guard? How do we warn um, against what is luring people away from truth? Uh, To see people over time come into agreement with ideologies or disagree with long-standing biblical truths um, so that, you know, in a, time, in a year or two or three, they are unrecognizable from who they were when they were following Jesus. So how do we as believers navigate uh, when the world is shaking, when we're surrounded in a world that is um, filled with so much confusion and misinterpretation of who God is and what it means and requires to be a follower of Jesus? We abide in the true vine, the person of Jesus We follow his words, and we abide in family. John 15, 18 says, The Bible will hate you for the sake of Jesus. Jesus says, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Our ways are not the world's ways. Jesus' commands and words are not going to appeal to the world. Um, When I was thinking about that, I just was remembering when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. This is in John 6. Um, He tells his disciples and, you know, those gathering to, to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And in verse 60, even his own disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And then what? A lot of them left. So don't be surprised if you lose Instagram followers. (laughs) The world's ways are supposed to sound good, to feel good, to seem like maybe it's right. But as Christians, we know what is truth and what is deception. So what is truth? This is truth. John 1 In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus calls, or Jesus, John calls Jesus the Logos. Uh, In John 1.14, he says, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So Jesus, the Word, has words. And we can't separate the Word, Jesus, from his words. If we abide in his words, we can call ourselves his disciples. 
So we, as Jesus followers, a Christ follower, a Christian, we abide in and follow his words. We can't be a Christian or call ourselves a follower of Jesus without following his words. And there's so much. I just thought I would pick out three. Uh, John 15, 14, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do what I commanded of you. John 14, 15, he says, If you love me, keep my commands. And John 8, 31 Jesus says, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. So you get my point. (laughs) This word is Jesus, and Jesus is this word. We encounter the person of Jesus through this word, and his words are life. John 63, he says, the words I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. So as Christians, to be a Christian, we abide in and follow his words. And we abide in and believe in his words no matter how difficult or troublesome they may seem. Either he's Lord or he's not. It's a submission. And Jesus demands that we consider him the way, the truth, and the life. So what is truth? Jesus is the truth. I would like to submit that truth isn't subjective. Truth is a person. His name is Jesus. And we are in a season in the world that is shaking and desperately needs the truth. The church desperately needs the truth to be declared in confidence so that Ephesians 4.15, we are to speak the truth in love so that we may grow up into him that is the head. We need to use the scriptures as an ice bucket to wake people up. And I feel like a good question to ask yourself is, have I adopted views that move me away from biblical Christian views on sexuality, sin, race, hell, and so on, and move me towards popular, unbelieving culture. We have to be self-aware and self-conscious to where are we aligning, what crowd are we being pulled into. And if you wake up one day and your theology is the same theology as unbelieving culture, maybe that's a problem. The world is in identity crisis, and it's more than just gender identity or sexuality. There are so many believers that used to pursue the Lord but have fallen away from who they really are and are allowing their emotions and feelings to define them. Whether it be led by politics or a season they're going through or a cause, uh, they're allowing themselves to be led by that and allowing that to redefine who they are. And they're looking for other things to meet that need and fill that void rather than allowing Jesus to be their definer. Identities are being manipulated. All right, hard question, church. (laughs) Are we allowing the Enneagram to define us more than Jesus Christ? (laughs) I'm serious. And if you know me, I love personality stuff. If you know me, I do. I took the Enneagram test in like 2007, long before it was popular, long before social media. I mean, this is not, but it doesn't consume or direct us. Are we allowing well-intended therapeutic ideologies to define us and how we walk through healing and if we can be healed and whole? And I'm speaking as someone who loves therapists, one of my closest friends in my wedding therapist. This is not like a rag on that. Jesus can use all that, and we're going to talk about that in a second. But And I've benefited from counselors myself. When I walked through um, healing from a childhood trauma I went through for two years, um, I very much benefited, gained a lot of powerful tools for healing. But at the end of those two years, what really set me free and made me a new person was an encounter with Jesus in a sozo. 
those are powerful tools, but when used outside of the hands of Jesus, using them to reveal things to us, our focus will start to shift from being a son or daughter to almost this obsession with self that has no hope for a full and complete and whole healing. If our identity is not rooted in Scripture and in the Father who gave our identity to begin with, we're going to be easily swayed. We're not going to have a foundation. The next great thing or idea or cause that comes along is going to sway us. And I just wanted to touch on this sort of a pet peeve. Um, there's this movement called like Christian deconstructionism, and which, goodness, like we're not going to go into all of it. That's why it's a pet peeve. Um, because if people just knew what they were engaging with, they would not touch it. Deconstruction didn't just originate in 2020 or 2021. or This is like a decades-old philosophical conversation, and that word literally means to destroy. We don't need Christian deconstruction. We need just knowing of truth. And we already have a word for unlearning and relearning or whatever. It's just called reading better sources or biblical study. Like we don't, anyways, side note. Um, we need to be aware of leaders that have become, become so committed to such a radical skepticism that they've embraced a worldview that is not a gospel-centered worldview. Christianity is following Jesus radically. It's submission. It's laying ourselves down like we were just singing in that last song. It's saying, I believe in Jesus. I believe him. Sure, there's some things we're journeying through, uh, but I am certain of this person. I trust in him and what he says. I believe he is who he says he is. So therefore, I believe everything he has to say. It's laying down worship of self. You can't be a Christian and throw this thing out. We need to be hesitant of just consuming every new teacher, every new book, every new podcast, and be okay and being studied in ideologies that have led the family of God for centuries. I was talking with Wes about that. I was like, why is it uncool to, like, I don't know, read St. Augustine or just things that have been longstanding, you know, versus following the newest Christian Instagram pastor? Um, when we completely throw out and don't build off of the prior members of the family of God, I think that's a problem. There's going to be things we don't understand, but we have to trust that he is true, that his words are true, that his apostles are true, that the Bible is true. And therefore, what scriptures have to say about sin, what scriptures have to say about sexuality, about morality, about eternal states, and so on, that that is true. And we lay down anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of Christ. We have to stop influencing our view of God to morph him into what we want him to be or what we feel like he should be to us. We need to allow God to self-define himself. God tells us who he is. He defines who he is in the word of God. His word is his self-definition. His word is true. That's going, God, this is your story. I worship you. I don't worship a version of you that I necessarily like. Um, I, I lay that down. I confess that, Jesus, you are who you say you are, and I don't get to divorce who you are from your words. So in this shaking of the world, for example, what seems like a no-brainer for Christians to believe that abortion is wrong, um, Suddenly, there's all these alternative schools or views of thought or skewing of truth of what abortion really does and is. Abortion is not a complex issue, y'all. 
We are called to rightly divide the word of truth, 2 Timothy 2.15. And that means there are wrong ways to divide the word of truth. And I'm sorry, but using the Bible to defend abortion is the wrong way to divide the word of truth. Okay, I want to keep talking about dividing the word of truth, but in the context of family and how we abide in family. We are not meant to divide truth at home alone. If you divide truth in family, it's a lot harder to divide the wrong way. If you divide truth in family and not on Instagram with unbelieving culture or allowing these things to influence what you believe, it's not as easy to divide the wrong way. The flesh wants to listen through this lens of what everything feels and what's right to me. What does this mean to me? But we are submitted believers to Jesus our Lord, and we don't listen through what we feel or think. We listen to rightly divide truth in community. We are called to be in a body, a family, that walk together in belief of truth that is laid out in the words of Jesus. We're called to do exactly what we're doing right now, which is gather together, be family, and walk together so that no one wanders from truth. We are called to Hebrews 10.25 not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. I, I, this week I saw one of those Q&As um, where somebody asked, what do you think about online church? And the pastor was saying that that can be like something that's added to, but it cannot be a replacement. The gathering, the community, the being together cannot be sacrificed for the sake of watching online. That can be added to, we watch stuff online, that's awesome, but we don't, we're here. (laughs) Um, How do we abide in truth through communion with the word with family or else like those I've grieved and continue to be grieving for, we can be deceived by our emotions like Nedra was sharing last week. So I was thinking about Abiding in family, like practically, how do we, how can we talk about that practically? And it just hit me. This can be like a whole sermon series. That's why I was like, just to touch. Uh, um, but literally, it just hit me. You come and you serve. That's how you abide in family. And just the Lord's unpacking that for me. And I just thought about it. I'm like, families who comes to your birthday parties early and stays late. Family is who comes and helps clean up. Family is who calls and is like, can I bring a bag of ice on the way? Family is who peels the potatoes. Family is who picks up the mail when you're out of town. Family is who helps when there's a need, who does the lyrics, who does the coffee. That, that's who family is. And my question, if people feel like they're not embraced in family in a church, is are you coming and receiving? Or are you coming and investing knowing that you reap what you sow? And this is me like... Speaking from experience, I was thinking about it, like, throughout my lifetime, I think I've been a part of five churches. This is, like, birth to mid-30s and, like, moving states for college. And I can tell you I experienced the fullness of embrace in community, albeit not perfect, but known, seen, loved uh, when I was involved, when I served, when I committed, when I showed up early and I stayed late. And uh, the one church I was thinking of where I didn't feel that kind of embrace the family was um, when I was in Atlanta, when I first became a Christian and I hardly knew anyone. I could have walked away thinking, no one talked to me or no one reached out to me or I didn't know anyone. Um, But then I thought about it. I was like, how did I extend myself to be known? I didn't. (laughs) And I didn't realize the importance of that, you know, at that time. And that was a different season. But 
yeah, anyways, that's how we abide. Family will go to war for you. Family will intercede for you. Family loves in such purity and power that they are willing to speak the truth to you when no one else will. That was totally, this just popped in my mind. I saw this girl this week and it literally broke my heart where she was just professing to be a bird and using these pronouns of, I don't know how they were. Anyways, it just was, I, it broke my heart just seeing who in her life loves her enough to tell her that she has intrinsic value to the God of the universe. We cannot like stand by and let people be deceived. And that's what family does. Family is willing to speak the truth when no one else will because that's what real love does. Real love is willing to risk offense for the sake of another person's heart or soul. So boiling it all down, we abide in truth by agreeing that Jesus is who he says he is. We abide in truth by agreeing with his word no matter how troublesome we may find it. And we abide in truth by abiding in family. So I wanted to do some declarations about who we are as a family and who we are as believers. Um, and who we are as ones who abide. Because we at Arise, our family, we are. I'm so proud of us. We are ones who abide. <laughs> um, so um, if you'll, uh, I'm going to say some declarations. And if you'll just repeat them after me. I was made for such a time as this. I will not be easily swayed because of popular opinion. There is nothing about the time I'm living in that is a surprise to you. I am designed to exist and thrive in community. I am a vessel designed to both receive and pour out. I submit my heart, my will, my mind to you, Jesus. Because, Jesus, you are trustworthy and you are who you say you are. I am healed and whole in you, Jesus. I commit to abide in you, Jesus. Jesus, you are the true vine. (laughs) And I need family to walk with to do this. (laughs) Amen. So, um... I think we've got like three or four minutes so I'm just gonna um, let pops play this soaking and um, I'd love to pray with you um, I know Wes or Melanie or is anybody on this row uh, anybody on either of these rows <laughs> would love to pray with you um, yeah I'm just gonna pray yeah Jesus uh, we just thank you for the invitation to abide in you hmm I just feel like there's this um just this word that it's time to abide like we never have before. (laughs) Mm, 
not only for ourselves, but that we are called to be a light. This is not a surprising time <laughs> to the Lord. We are called to be a radical, shining light. And I just see just this family, I just prophesy that this family is going to be a family that shines in such brightness that people are going to come and ask how, what is different? Why, why, why does none of this seem to shake you? What, what's going on? I want what you have. And you don't even, and I just see it too, Wes, so many times people don't even know that it's Jesus until he tells them. They just are drawn to the light. And I just see that being over our whole family. Just people being drawn to the light that we carry in this in this season and time that the world is shaking. And we just thank you for every opportunity to just <laughs> release the love of heaven over people. And we thank you for those that we know that have been swayed by popular opinion or have had their identities manipulated. We just speak to their spirits right now and just say, <laughs> you are beloved. You carry intrinsic worth to the God of the universe. Jesus is who he says he is and he loves you and following him is the only way. Mm, What a joy to follow you, Jesus. And we just pray that our family would just emit that joy into the earth. We are proud to be yours. for the invitation. We just say yes to covenantal abiding.